Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom podcast, where we take the challenges that exist all around us and learn new ways to interface with them in a way that supports us to truly grow and ultimately bloom. So my name is Casey. I really take Thich Nhat Hanh's No Mud, No Lotus mantra to heart. It's the center of my life. It's the center of my business. And really, when we learn to, to take um, what our mind labels as, as misfortune or unfortune or mistakes or problems and metabolize it into true beauty and growth, um, you know, that's where the magic is made. Everyone in life will get dirty, but not everyone will use what happens to them as fertilizer. And so that's what we're here how to learn to do because none of those things automatically happen, right? It takes our part participation and learning to see things in a new way, learning to um, create flexibility in our nervous system in a new way, and to be able to interface with some of these patterns that many of us have had for our entire lives and kind of reroute them into to something new. And so this is wonderful work. This is beautiful work that can change your whole life if you let it. Um, and today I'm here to talk to you about a yogic concept called Pratyahara, right? Pratyahara is the yogic skill, the practice, the art of going inward. And, you know, this is a skill that is embedded in meditation, but it's really something that I think can um, speak to us when we, when we just explore it all by itself. So that's what we're here to do today. Um, the reason that I feel that this is important is because we live in a world, a modern day world of constant sensory input and constant mental and emotional processing, right? So we're really on and we're turned on and we're on all the time, right? Many of us, it's just this constant process of taking things in and trying to make sense and meaning of it. Um, maybe to the degree that we don't even realize that we're doing it anymore. We just think it's the way that life is. Um, something interesting to note is that we humans take in on average 11 million bits of information per second. And what that means is that our senses are always interpreting our surroundings. So your eyes, your ears, your nose, your skin, like your sense of touch, all of this is taking in data all the time. And we have this unique component in our brains. It's sort of like a hatch in the back door, the, the lower part of our brain called the reticular activating system. And the reticular activating system processes that for us and filters it for us so that we don't have to to process every single piece of that. But we do have to process a huge amount of it for ourselves, especially in this world of like social media and having our phones, these literal mini computers that live in our hands all day, every day that gives us access to unlimited amounts of information and connection with scrolling and podcast and news media and world events, right? All right there in your phone. Um, we have work demands, we have family demands, we have life demands. And so really like this constant input is a thing, right? And I know in my own life and I can see in the lives of my clients that we only have so much, we only have so much bandwidth. And so today I'd really like to talk to you about what it would mean for you to create a shelter in the storm from all of that input coming into your system so that you could bolster yourself up on the inside. 
so that you could create and cultivate deeper, stronger, more present internal resources for the, for you to then take back out into the world to help you to process all of this input um, so that you can do it in a way that feels better to you. All right. So that's really what we're here to talk about is the opportunity to use pratyahara, the practice of going inward as a shelter from this storm, from the barrage of processing of data, of input that's constantly coming at us. Okay. So to begin this conversation, I actually want to zoom out a little bit and talk about the eight limbs of yoga because Pratyahara is one of those eight limbs. It's the fifth limb. And these yogic philosophy concepts are so brilliant. And I'll do my best to, to describe them from the level of understanding that I possess inside of me in this very moment. Um, the eight limbs of yoga were developed uh, thousands of years ago, I think, um, thousands of years ago by a man or a group of man that we now refer to as Patanjali. And just like all the ancient texts, just like the Bible that we think we have theories about who wrote them or who wrote specific chapters, but we really don't know. We don't really know if it was one person or a group of people. And the same is true for the ancient sacred yogic texts. And so Patanjali is this name that we use to describe the person or set of people who developed this rubric, this skeleton, this system of understanding yoga that we know today as the eight-limbed path. And it's very built into our minds that if it's you're following an eight-limbed path that you start at step one and you go through and check off all the steps and then you arrive at step eight. But that's really not what the yoga is about. That's a very like extractive um, I'm going to do something to get something type of way to approach yoga. And yoga is really meant to just um, to, to be, to be in the process, right? And so yoga is really not about getting something out of it. It's about being in it and being with it. And in the process of being on the journey, you sort of reap the benefits all along the way, right? It teaches you, it informs you, it it heals you as you go. And so these eight steps aren't something to be meant to be checked off independently of one another. These eight limbs are meant to work in concert. They're meant to, to loop around one another, that you go back and forth between them and you use them to inform each other to create this overall experience of yoga, which I just think is so beautiful. So um, I'm going to describe them in a linear fashion, but please know that these are like circumambulatory. I love that word, that concept. It's like each of these concepts kind of spins on its own axis. So you can practice each of them kind of on its own or understand each on its own. And it kind of spins around its own axis. But at the same time, each of these individual axes are also spinning on one another, right? To form this like beautiful, vibrant creation of this yogic experience. Um, so the first two limbs on the eight-limbed path are the yamas and the niyamas. And these are these are our ethical principles, right? So really in yoga, if if you if you can practice nothing else, coming back to the yamas and the niyamas will always ensure that you're that you're authentically practicing yoga in your life out in the world. And, and if you can adopt nothing else, it's sort of these um, concepts, these guidelines, these ways by which to live your lives. And, and some of them draw the awareness inward on like how you can interact inside of yourself. And then the other five direct the awareness outward is how 
you can ethically participate in the world at large and in the relationships around you. So these yamas and niyamas really give us a tool to come back to, an anchor to come back to over and over, a thread by which to live our lives. Um, and these ethical practices are really at the core, the foundation of everything else that, that we'll explore today. Um, the third limb of yoga is the asana, the physical practice. If you've taken a yoga class, which most of us, especially here in the West, the way we are introduced to yoga is through the asana, right? And there's a lot of conversation today that, that by only practicing the asana, we're actually being extractive of the yoga or, or disrespecting the yoga or appropriating the yoga um, by only using it for the one thing and the one thing that like makes us look better type of thing. And so the asana for me is like, it's a gateway, right? Is that most people come to yoga because they're suffering in some way. And most people come to yoga because they're suffering physically. They've got some sort of ailment, some sort of pain that then their doctor says, you know, you're way too tight. You need to go to yoga. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's some sort of suffering that gets people's bodies in the door. And what normally happens, I've seen it a million times over my 20 plus years of teaching, is that it's the body that gets people in the door and it acts as a gateway. And so whatever is being healed in the body is also available to be healed in the subtle body, the layers underneath the physical sheath, the heart, the mind, the spirit, the breath, right? So um, asana is usually what gets us in the door and it cracks us open to all these other layers. And so the asana is a very important part of the practice and it, it often like introduces people to yoga on a much deeper level. Um, physiologically speaking, all of this, as we get going, you'll find like there are things that amp up the body and quiet the mind. And there are things that amp up the mind and quiet the body and all sorts of different things. And it's again, all meant to work in concert. So asana is designed to create a fire in the body so that in turn, the mind will still itself. Okay. So asana is then built upon um, by pranayama. So pranayama is the fourth limb on the eight-limbed path. And pranayama is our breath or our life force. Um, and so many of you in yoga class combine the breath with the movement to form vinyasa or a flow. Um, and so pranayama is just like a way to experience asana more deeply. It's like the core of asana. Um, but pratyahara is really a way to, to connect with your essence and really the breath that is at the center of everything. And so when we tap into the breath, when we tap into the body, we fire things up, we connect ourselves, we yoke, right? We yoke the breath and the body, which is the, the, the um, definition of yoga, is the yoking of all of these things, the, harmo the harmony, the congruence between all of our seemingly separate parts. Um, and we use the breath to help facilitate that. So here's where things get interesting in terms of today's conversation. So if you're viewing this at, on a linear path, you know, when you're in yoga class, you use the breath and the body to fire things up. And then that creates space for the mind to get quiet. And that is when we start to talk about pranayama, rather pratyahara, excuse me, which is the crux of our conversation today. And pratyahara is the yogic withdrawal of the senses, okay? So it's it's the process of turning down the volume on the outer world so that you can turn up the volume in your inner world. And so the way to do that is to sort of cut 
the cords to everything that ties you or binds you to the outer world, right? So pratyahara is the withdrawal of the senses. So the literal closing of the eyes, the shutting down of the auditory senses through the ears, the blocking off of any sound or distraction that could come into your physical system, the blocking off of those 11 million bits to be processed in any given moment, right? So that we can go inward. And uh, one, one example of Pratyahara, I know I just said cutting the cords, that just seems like a very easy um, way to illustrate it. But if we want to take it just a little bit deeper, like if you envision your energy on the inside of you, and then maybe you have all of these cords or ropes that are drifting outside of you that tie your energy to the things outside of you. So if you're worried about someone in your family, you might have an energetic cord that travels from your inner being to their inner being, and it's pulling your focus, your energy, your bandwidth away from yourself and to that other person. I'm not saying that's bad or wrong. I'm just saying that this is what happens. And then if you're worried about the world or Russia or Ukraine or whatever, that's like another cord that drifts outside of your inner body and sort of puts an anchor down in that place of worry or burden or bandwidth, right? And then if you do that enough times, can you see how you'll have all these anchors that you have dropped into circumstances that live outside of your actual beingness and how that pulls your focus, your intention, your energy away from you? Again, I'm not saying this is bad or wrong. I'm saying that it's human. But what I am also saying here is I am of the opinion that so many of us do this so much, so frequently for so long that we don't even recognize that we're doing it, that we don't even recognize that we've dropped all of these anchors of our beingness out into the oceans that surround us that don't belong to us. And that's okay, but what happens is we never take them back. And so that energy just lives in perpetuity outside of us. And then we wonder why we feel so drained, right? We wonder why we feel so depleted. And so the analogy that I'll offer to you is that the image of Pratyahara that I get is that when I close my eyes and shut down my ears and start the process of going inward, that I can energetically, symbolically, metaphorically speaking, sort of pick up all of those anchors that I've dropped out in various places along the way. And then I can just pull, like turn the crank so that they start to come back in. They come closer, they come closer. And then ultimately I get to plunk, drop all of those anchors down back inside of my own beingness. And that is what Pratyahara means to me, is that I've taken all of the places where I've given myself away. And just for this moment, just for this exercise of going inward, I'm going to reel that all back in so that I belong fully to myself once more. And again, this is not to cut people off or to say you don't care about them or that you're done worrying about whatever it is you're worrying about. It's just a practice and exercise 
for you to draw all of your parts back to you. And if you could do this daily, this is why people, this is why we recommend a daily meditation practice, that if you could draw all your resources back to yourself, like once a day, what would that mean to you, right? When we come back to the eight-limbed path, pratyahara is the withdrawal of the senses. And once we're able to pull of our, all of our anchors back in, pull all of our energy back in, pull all of our resources back inside and be there, stay there on the inside with ourselves, then what opens up to us is the practice of dharana, right? Where you can take that internal focus and you can concentrate it on something. And this is the stage where people like oftentimes prefer to meditate with a focal point, Right? This could be a mantra that you repeat over and over and over again. And what that does is it gives your brain a bone to chew on so that you can stay inward instead of just dropping those anchors back out once more. Because that's what the mind does when it starts to think in meditation is that it, it thinks about things outside of your internal experience and it places your energy outside of you once more. So the practice of dharana allows us to focus our on one point. Some people meditate while looking at a candle or something like that. So it's the singular concentrated attention or focus that allows us to continue to stay present, that allows us to um, not just habitually, you know, pull our anchors in and then just turn around and give them right back away. Okay. From that concentrated focus state of dharana, we can then build into a state of Diana, where you're able to stay inward, but without a concentrated focus, right? It's meditation or contemplation without having to gnaw on the bone inside of your brain. It's simple beingness. Not beautiful. And all of these together create the foundation for us to experience the eighth limb of yoga, which is samadhi, which is bliss transcendence, um, extracting ourselves from our physiological limited circumstances and um, expanding ourselves into limitlessness, right? And samadhi is not a place, my friends, where we arrive and stay. Samadhi is a place where we learn to visit and then we learn to make the visits last longer. And then hopefully we allow the visits to, to occur more frequently, right? But samadhi is not like some pie in the sky place that we like achieve one day, but it's this blissful pocket in time that we create from ourselves that we learn to experience and connect with more and more and more. Isn't that so beautiful? So that's just a little blueprint of the eight limbed path. Um, and how all of those components sort of fit together, okay? And so as we draw our awareness back to, back to pratyahara, the, the skill, the act, the art of going inward, um, what I want to highlight for you right now is I feel as though we don't realize that we actually don't have to put our energy out there all the time. Like, I, fe I feel like we don't know that that's not an option for ourselves. That, like, I know that, that I felt this way. You know, I've been in this big season of, like, drawing new boundaries with people in my life. And it's kind of this mind-blowing thing because I literally, like, I didn't realize that I didn't have to be worried about it all the time. Like, I didn't realize that 
I didn't have to like not think about it all the time, right? I, I literally didn't know that those things were an option for me because I've been so programmed to like love these people and be committed to these people and try to make it work with these people that I just thought that I had to keep doing that, right? And I didn't realize that I had the option to exercise my energetic boundaries, right? So we know physiological boundaries, we know relational boundaries, but, but Pratyahara really speaks to our energetic boundaries. So if you are a person who finds yourself feeling worried all the time, or if you're frustrated a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, right? Or if you feel like you're taking on like too much responsibility, like you're assuming responsibility for a lot of things that might not be yours, or if you're trying to control the way that things are going more often than not, like I might offer to you that you might be a candidate for someone who could potentially practice having energetic boundaries. And that simply means to me is that you have a, a choice as to what you allow to affect your emotional body, right? And I'm not saying that you have to fix it in order to get it to go away. I'm saying that you don't have to fix it in order to be able to take a break from it. And that by not taking a break from it, you're almost ensuring that it doesn't get fixed. Does that make sense? Because when you stay in the worry, when you stay in the frustration, when you stay in the over-responsibility, it depletes you and it, oh, it, it erodes away at your bandwidth and your brain like keeps turning it over and turning it over and turning it over, which we think that the more we turn it over, the, the, the more likely we are to create a solution. But I've actually found that the reverse is true, that when we're in for something for too long, too intensely, we lack the perspective or the creative energy that we need to come up with a new way of interfacing with it. So really, like this isn't an I'm not encouraging pratyahara or going inward or taking a break from all of these external energies as an act of denial or escape. No, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm touting this as a way of deep, deep self-love and self-care so that you have what you need on the inside to tackle the thing that's bothering you in the first place. So notice, um, notice this. Uh, I was listening to an Abraham Hicks podcast a while ago, and if you're familiar with their work, they really... Um, they offer some, some insight that to me is truly uh, life-changing. So Abraham Hicks said to notice how disturbed you are by people who are not in your physical vicinity, right? Like notice how bothered you are by issues that aren't in your immediate field. And again, this isn't an effort to bypass because it's like there are real things that are happening in the world that I don't see right in front of me, but I would be a huge asshole, I feel, if I didn't care about those things, right? So it's like, I get it. And also, like, if it's not right in front of you, like, do you need to be worrying about it so profusely? Do you need to be carrying it so heavily? Right. And if not, like, why are you bringing it into your field? Like, why is it so pressing for you? 
Why does it feel so heavy? And if you can answer those questions, like that will show you your opportunity to interface with it in a little bit different way. Okay, so so being very troubled or bogged down by something that's not immediately affecting you is showing you how you're participating with this thing in a way that's actually causing you more suffering, okay? So what Pratyahara does is it gives us the ability to see these anchors, to see all the ways that life is pulling us away from ourselves. We can lift up the anchors, pull them back inside and drop them down into you where you can be more resourced and present in the physical moment. So I know from personal experience that a lot of people tend to numb out as their form of pratyahara, right? That we think there's too much, I'm too overstimulated, the burden is too much to carry, it's unsolvable, whatever. And so as a way to escape from that, people use substances, they drink, they do drugs, we scroll on social media, maybe people get lost in Netflix or eating or sex, or they lose themselves in relationship after relationship, right? To, to, in order to, to take a break from all of this, right? So I think that's a big expression when we don't know how to go inward, we don't know how to turn off all of this input that it leads a lot of us to numbing out and turning to harmful behaviors. So the offering, the invitation here is to learn to retreat inside of yourself and just be able to sit with whatever it is that you find there, right? Without having to numb it, without having to fix it, without having to change it. One way that I do this for myself is by creating um, boundaries in my physiology that allow me to go inward more easily. And so things like using an eye mask or a scarf over your face to literally block out the light or any visual distractions can really help with going inward. Um, turning on white noise or I listen to like the eternal stream or something on my meditation app when I'm meditating. So just this white noise to kind of keep block out whatever sounds might be in my home so that I can just stay inward without thinking about what's happening around me. Um, sometimes when I go to bed at night, I feel like that is pratyahara for me. Like sometimes there's so much going on in the day and so much going on in the next day that really like sleep, It sleep is not active, but but it can be a, a, a way to practice pratyahara, right? Because when I go to sleep, I use an eye mask and I do block the sound out for my ears. And then sometimes, not, not now that I'm in a partnership, but when I was single, I used to use a gravity blanket, right? And so I had this compression that was like cocooning my body so that I felt safe and I felt kind of enclosed inside of myself. Um, there's actually this tool, I can't remember it for the life of me right now. I'm just thinking this off the top of my head that was on Shark Tank. That's actually like a sleep sack. Maybe it's hug, huggable or something like that. I, maybe that's totally wrong. I, I, don't, I don't know. But it's, if you look up Shark Tank sleep sack, like it's literally this, this, this cotton like huggable, almost sleeping bag that you get in that wraps you up really tight and you sleep in it. And it's like, it's the same effect of like swaddling a baby, of feeling 
compressed and cocooned and creating safety in the nervous system. So all of these things can help you with your body, like help your body to feel safe, help create like a barrier between your, yourself and your senses so that you can more easily go inward based on like the structure that you've created for your physical body. Um, so please know that you can utilize those external tools to aid you in the facilitation of being able to go inward. So then once you're inward, things will come up for you. Like your body will fight you, your mind will fight you. And that's not a problem. That's actually to be expected. And so the, the offering then, my friends, I believe that resistance is a gift. And so when you're on the inside and things pop up for you, number one, it's showing you what you really care about. And number two, it's showing you the obstacles that stand between you and full peaceful presence, okay? And so when you see that, when you're done meditating, then you know that those are the things that you have to work through in order for you to put your wisdom into action, okay? So the resistance, it's showing you what's important and it's showing you your opportunities to complete your work. Um, my Kriya teacher, Molly, Molly Busby, she says that whatever pops up in meditation, it all belongs, right? Whatever happens when you go inward, it's all meant to be there, right? So it's all good. Your job is just to go inward and see if you can stay there, right? And just sit with whatever it is that you find. In doing so, you block yourself up from this constant freaking barrage of output, which requires your system to constantly be processing. You give yourself a break from all of that so you can be more nourished. Um, just to finish this off, really this comes back to, for me, to the concept of the divine feminine. And, you know, if you're familiar with the divine feminine and the divine masculine, this isn't, a, the, the, these entities, it, exist inside of all of us, no matter your sex, no matter your orientation, no matter how you're born, no matter what, each of us possesses the qualities of the divine feminine and the divine masculine inside of us. We all have these entities, these components. It's just different ratios along the spectrum, right? And so whether you're in a male-oriented body or a female-oriented body, tapping into the divine feminine for all of us is something that is very lacking in our modern day culture. And many of us, myself included, believe that it's this um, squelched, sequestered um, expression of the divine feminine that has created many of the problems that exist in our world today. And what the divine feminine says, like she is all about the darkness. She's all about the mystery. She's all about the murkiness. She's all about the moon and the stars and, and the inexplicable. And, um, and there's a place for her, right? But in our society, we, do, we value the masculine. We value the logic and, and, and the, the, the penetrative get things done, make things happen, earn your keep, show me the money type of things. So all of our value has been placed on these masculine functions of, of showing up, of getting shit done, of pushing through, of making it happen, 
right? And, and like I said, all of these qualities exist within us. So we need those masculine parts. We need the structure. We need um, the discipline and the, the effort and the focus, right? But that's only one side of the coin. And when that side of the coin becomes the whole coin, then you find yourself in this really imbalanced situation that we're in that I'm not going to speak to right now because that's a totally different rabbit hole. But what I'm here to say right now is that, that if you want to be happier, learn to be still and be quiet. If you want to be more connected in your relationships with people, learn to go inward and be more connected in your relationship with yourself. If you want to be more successful, if you want to be more creative, if you want to make more money, then learn to allow for the stillness so that you are more available to see and therefore participate with your path. So going inward, becoming quiet, practicing the art, the skill, the practice of pratyahara is not the icing on the cake. It is part of the very cake itself. And when you learn to go inward and come home to yourself again and again and again, I wonder what magicals and what magic and miracles, we'll call that magicals, would be available for you in your life. I think I probably won't edit that out. I think I kind of love it the magicals. So please know that the skill, this beauty of going inward, it will serve you, but not in the way that your mind thinks, right? So stay the course, keep showing up for yourself. And over time, I'd be curious to see what is revealed to you. All right, my friends, that's what I have for you today. If you would like support in learning how to go inward, I am your girl. You can reach out. You can coach with me one-on-one. -on -one. You can join my classes. You can um, join my breakthrough sessions with hypnosis, EFT, neural energetic encoding. Um, this is deep work, and it will change your life when you let it. I'm with you all the way, my friends. Namaste.